What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside you here on Wednesday, April 28th, to recap some Cardinals baseball. And in tonight's episode, we're going to dig in pretty in-depth in the story of the game, which was Hannesis Cabrera, Bryce Harper, the pitch that got away and caught Bryce in the face. Something you never want to see, especially when you're talking about a guy in Henesis Cabrera who throws mid to high 90s. And Harper immediately helped off the field. was good to see that he was able to walk off on his own. You know, situations like that, you think back to the famous video a lot of you have probably seen by now of Mike Matheny when he was with the Brewers, I want to say, earlier in his career. And he took one in the mouth and you see the blood and just a a gory scene wasn't really the case with Harper in this situation but when you talk about a a fastball to the face you're talking about a matter of inches centimeters between you know everything hopefully checking out okay which in this situation that seems is the case with Harper he of course posted the Instagram video that I'm sure folks have seen by now talking about his face is still there, everything's okay, everything seems to be checking out just fine, which is a major relief after seeing something like that take place. But, you know, initially it was good to see anyway that it wasn't the gory scene. That doesn't mean necessarily that it couldn't have been a bad situation, but seeing Bryce kind of having his uh, wits about him and then be able to walk off the field, that was a positive. But, Getting into the discussion on this as an example of the three batter minimum maybe not being such a a good catch-all rule. And, you know, it it was instituted for last season. At least with the Cardinals, I don't recall seeing something like this where, you know, a, a guy gets hit in a situation where it obviously is going to have an impact on the pitcher. Because, for one... And again, it's it, there's needs to be something said about the fact that you know we continue to talk about this with the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I know that nobody's going out there trying to hit anybody, but at some point, you know, teams around the league, and you're seeing that a little bit tonight already with uh, opposing fan bases for sure. Phillies fans are upset. Uh, Reds fans are chiming in because they feel like they have some experience on the subject, having had the hit-by-pitch situation with Nick Castellanos in that first series of the year. And now you get into a situation with Henesis Cabrera hitting Harper. It's a a dangerous thing, and I don't think that this is some kind of organizational tactic. We're going to pitch inside. That was kind of the thing with the Pittsburgh Pirates for years. They had that reputation where their pitchers would always be hitting guys in dangerous areas because as a team, it's like they intentionally – wanted to, you know, take command of that inside part of the plate, but then they lacked the command to be able to execute that on a consistent, regular basis. You got these flamethrowers out there that they can throw hard, but they can't locate, and so you, if you're trying to consistently pound the inside half or, or even, you know, a baseball width or two off the inside part of the plate to kind of brush guys back, keep them honest on you know, trying to to cheat to the outside corner. That's not a great combination if you don't have the control to be able to do it. And so I'm not trying to insinuate that's what the Cardinals, that's what's happening here. Um, You know, isolated incidents, I would say. But, 
three or so weeks into the season, certainly more hit batters, I would think. Just based on the narrative, it seems like it. I don't know if statistically that holds up. But more hit batters so far from Cardinals pitching. While I think wasting breath on a soliloquy talking about the fact that it wasn't intentional isn't necessary at this point in time, my goodness. I mean, nobody's going out there trying to hit somebody in the face. I'll play for you a clip from Mike Schilt after the game what he had to say about the situation. It's a little bit lengthy, but I but I want to give kind of a, a look at not his full discussion on the topic because he was asked several questions, but get a look into his um, his explanation for what he saw and you know how that bakes into the rule change where with the three batter minimum, like I said, I don't think we've seen anything like this uh, in St. Louis necessarily around the league. I sure may have happened last year to be honest with you a lot of what happened last year is kind of a blur and being wiped from from the memories collectively so I, I I could be wrong in saying that I don't remember an incident like this that happened and then you have this situation where a pitcher the first batter that he faces a traumatic situation where you hit a guy obviously didn't mean to do it a younger guy too in Genesis Cabrera knows you know, I mean, imagine the thoughts flooding through your brain at that point in time. You're trying to go out there and give Bryce Harper your best, try to get this guy out because he's a star of the game in, in, in you know, 2021 Major League Baseball. The dude's a stud. And you want to, as a, as a guy still feeling like you're trying to establish yourself in this league, you, you want to make you want to make your presence known, but you don't want to make it known in that way. And so that happens, and then you have to try to collect yourself and face the next batter. And once he hit Gregorius, I said, look, you might just need to walk the next guy intentionally because this isn't it, you know. And and that was a a byproduct of the rule because without the rule, certainly there's no way he faces a third batter. And the third batter ends up getting a a base hit, so, you know, no harm, no foul, uh, except in the, you know, box score, but... I mean, there's just no way as a manager you would leave a guy in for that third batter. And so I I feel like, and again, we can talk about rule changes till the cows come home and all the proposals that have been made. Uh, this is one, obviously, that has been instituted. I never really thought anything of it being a, a safety issue, potentially. And until it happens, it doesn't really necessarily cross your mind. Uh, but here's an example of it tonight where I think you could make an amendment to uh, but again, th- then you get into the conversation of the nature of competition, and if you add a little addendum to the rule that says for the for the sake of all involved, health and safety, if a guy you know has something like that take place, you know to be able to take him out, you know health reasons, mental health reasons, because in that moment you're definitely in a vulnerable state as as a human being, and then as a pitcher to have to go out and, and continue to to do your job when you're wondering, you know, did I just impact that guy's livelihood in his career? Because you don't know in that moment. You see the guy walk away to the dugout and he's gone down the tunnel. So I think there could be an addendum there. There's an argument to be made for that for sure. Um, but let's go ahead and, and take a listen to what Mike Schultz had to say after the after the game about this incident. It was Derek Gould that asked him, you know, is this an example of the, the issue with the three batter minimum? And Mike Schilt uh, kind of cut Derek off at the pass, which you, you'll hear Schilt reference 
toward the beginning of this answer uh, because he already knew where Derek was heading with the question, and certainly uh, his his opinion on the matter was made clear. So here's Mike Schilt on the situation surrounding Hannesis Cabrera, Bryce Harper, and how the three batter minimum rule is kind of baked into all of that. Yes, that's a failure of the three batter minimum. Absolutely, is is that. Um, sorry to cut you off. I, 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 hopefully, you finish your question, but um, completely, absolutely, no doubt. Um, that's and, and, you know, and but that's a definitely a an outlier of it. But you're talking about you know an aggressive young pitcher that's that's throwing to you know one of the superstars of this game and is wanting to give him his best bolt and the ball got away from him and unfortunately got, you know, Bryce up top, which is, you know, I mean, our dugout went out to check on him. You know, we were just instinctively like, Oh gosh, you know, and, and clearly he felt, he felt terrible, you know, and we can go out and we can calm him down. But, you know, at that point, that's a, that's a tough thing to deal with in competition and to expect him to, you know, we got Webby up immediately you know, we would have figured out a way to get him in the game at that point and had some time. Um, but, you know, that's the rule. And and then it led to, you know, I was gregarious getting hit and just a, just an unfortunate scenario. And, um, you know, I completely understand their aggressive response. Uh, you know, Joe handled it appropriately. Um, I know he, he, you know, I can't speak for him, but, you know, he's got to stand up for his guys and made an appeal to the umpires about, uh, maybe getting him out of the game to to, to maybe Cabby's benefit, um, but you know again they issued warnings and and that was that was appropriate as well I suppose and um, you know we expect their dugout to be you know upset and bothered by it um, you know we played this group recently and and there's there's connections on that side that you know we respect the way they go about their business and we we understand them they're pros and and uh, you know they have one of their better players you know, be compromised and I don't blame anything that happened from there. And, and I think in everybody's hearts, they know it was completely unintentional. And that was Mike Schilt after the game talking about the situation. And he would go on to say, after asked a follow-up question, that he would have removed Cabrera right after the Harper at bat, if not for the three better minimum rule. Now, people on Twitter, I saw the discussion, they had nobody warming up in the bullpen at that point which is a fair point to say. It's easy to say after the fact you would have done this or that. But honestly, knowing that situation with the three-better minimum rule, you knew you had you know a couple more guys to go, so they get Tyler Webb up, and he's ready to go by the end of the third batter. And so that might have had some, you know, been a reason behind the fact that they don't get Webb up until after Gregorius because it maybe it just doesn't take Webb that long to get ready. Whatever the case, I, I, I would buy that if, if given the opportunity – Schilt would have had Cabrera out of the game after Harper because, you know, you just you just can't imagine a, a guy having to competitively continue at that point in time, as you heard Mike Schilt reference. So could there be an addendum? I would I would probably be in favor of that. I, I know it gets difficult and dicey anytime you come in with rule changes and tweaks because there are going to be elements you don't think about and the consequences of those. Uh, but certainly when it comes to a health and safety consequence, uh, it just, you know, that wasn't a situation where where Cabrera should have still been pitching, just plain and simple. So we'll see if MLB does anything to address this in the offseason or if it or if this 
kind of ends up being a one-off without a lot more conversation. But you heard Mike Schilt. I mean, with how emphatic he sounded, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if this is something that gets followed up upon in the offseason. Cabrera, for his part in speaking with the media as well, was uh, extremely apologetic and, and at the end of his Zoom session actually took the time to apologize once again to Bryce Harper. Um, you know, wasn't anything this kid was doing intentionally. Yes, as a as a pitching staff and as a team, the Cardinals, you'd like to see them be able to hone their control a little bit better and, and avoid having these situations crop up as often as they do. It's just one of those things where as an opposing fan base, like if I were to try to step into the shoes of a Phillies fan tonight, I'd probably be pissed off too. And I'd be thinking, you know, I think I hope I'd be rational enough to realize that it's not intentional, but sometimes that, you know, the intent doesn't always matter. If a guy's, you know, like Castiano said, you know, I, I took 96 to the ribs and it didn't exactly feel too good. All right. Well, imagine it to the face, you know, it's not going to feel too good. And so, what, you know, these guys, they go out and play this game every day for a living. That's what they do. And you know that sometimes there are risks associated with that. But when when these kinds of situations happen, the response, and as Schilt, he said, rightfully, the other side was aggressive in their in their response. The other side is going to be upset. That's just the nature of it. And with Joe Girardi being tossed, I don't really agree with that. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, when, when you get a manager like, like Girardi tonight and like David Bell, was a few days ago get real animated it's easy for an umpire to have a quick trigger because you know as the umpire I don't know really it it would be like stepping outside the bounds of the rules to make a a judgment call in that moment to say hey this isn't a rule and this isn't allowed but we're going to do it anyway and let the fallout be what it is yes take Cabrera out of this game we're we're going to give you the the rubber stamp on that and come what may like I've said before, and I cannot remember what the scenario was in a game. If It, it might have been related to a, a replay situation where the rules hadn't specified that this particular play was reviewable, reviewable yet. It might have been on like a home run call back in the day, several years ago, and they went ahead and reviewed it anyway and got the call right. Like That's what I want my umpires and, and officials, and no matter what the sport is, to be doing. To recognize in a moment that, look... I don't know if this is even, you know, kosher by the rules, but this is clearly the thing we need to be doing right now. Let's go ahead and do it. That's those are my kind of officials when things like that happen. So, uh didn't happen today. Joe Girardi again rightfully upset and you know, as for fallout potentially going forward again. We've had this conversation with the Reds. I think everything's kind of cooled down to some extent with them, uh you know, with the Phillies. You've got this game on Thursday afternoon, 12-15 start at Bush Stadium. Aaron Nola pitching in that game. I, I Listen, Aaron Nola only allowed three base runners the last time he faced the Cardinals, so I don't know if he's going to be trying to give any away in this one. I think more likely than not, cooler heads will prevail. But baseball is a funny game, and sometimes one little thing that you don't expect to happen, it happens and then it changes the tide of the way things are trending. So who knows, but I, I think like I said, if I were a Phillies fan tonight, I would I, I would hope that I am rational enough to recognize it wasn't intentional, but still follow up and say, hey, it doesn't mean it's okay. And what the Cardinals don't want to do is start to develop a reputation as a team that, you know, 
their, their pitchers throw hard, but they can't control it. And you, you, you know, I, I don't think that would be a good thing. And so I'm not saying that's happened yet, but certainly in the minds of some, I think it has. So we'll see how the Cardinals respond to it. We'll see if uh, they can, they can kind of put this one behind them from a game perspective. Cardinals dropping this one to the Phillies five to three on Thursday. It's a shame. We're not going to talk quite as much about Johan Oviedo, because that was a guy I was pretty excited to see how he would do in this opportunity. And what did we see from Oviedo? I think we saw pretty much what what you kind of expected from good and bad perspectives. Seven strikeouts and in five innings. Yeah, he has that kind of stuff. There's no question about that. Got into a little bit of trouble, had some long innings, and then obviously the dagger is the home run he gives up to Brad Miller that ties the game at 3-3. At that point, it was 3-1 Cardinal. Cardinal. Why did I say Cardinal? 3-1 Cardinals, plural, until the former Cardinal, Brad Miller, ties it up with a homer. That guy can hit. We didn't have any question about that last year. He was perfect for the Cardinals in 2020 when you had the designated hitter and the offense as a whole was slumping for the duration of that season. Uh, But now that he's got to play defense for the Phillies, okay, you know, we saw him make an effort in left field on a ball yesterday, I believe it was, that ended up going for extra bases because I, I believe the runner ended up at third. I forget who hit it off the top of my head, but trying to slide in on a ball and not getting there. Yeah, you know, he's not the greatest fielder in the world, but the dude can rake, and he showed that again tonight with a pivotal home run that kind of turned the tide of the game. You know, as you get into the Cardinals' bullpen, you have the Cabrera situation, and things kind of get away, and the Cardinals' offense, they're not able to capitalize in the later innings, which is a a worthwhile story. I mean, you come up with eight hits, but you kind of scatter them, and you're not able to get more than three runs across. You know, you score two in the second, one in the third, and from there it's kind of silent. Those aren't the offensive nights that you want to have. Vince Velasquez uh, really, or Velasquez, pardon me, didn't have a great start, but settled into his last couple of innings. And then the bullpen was the story for the Phillies tonight. Brandon Kinsler was good for an inning two-thirds and gets the win. And then off the sheet after that, just each guy gave up one hit or nothing and ends up being a really impressive night for the uh, Phillies bullpen they go four and two-thirds in total and give up just three hits just uh and and it's not like they were blowing guys away either only three strikeouts so it's just one of those nights for the Cardinals offense where they're not able to really capitalize uh worth mentioning from an offensive perspective I do want to touch a little bit more on Oviedo before we get out of here but offensively Tyler O'Neill coming around would be very important for this team long term I mentioned it yesterday with Harrison Bader coming back you're kind of getting into that zone where you got to figure out what the rest of the outfield is going to look like. You know that Dylan Carlson's going to be there. Looking up and down this lineup right now, Carlson's been the best hitter on the team, and it's not really been a, a contest so far this season. Batting 300 after a one for four night tonight, and he goes to a 9-12 OPS. So, you know, he's the only guy above 900 that I see, and the only guy above 800 as well. Arnado in the 750 range, O'Neill in the 750 range. Tommy Edmond just below that. Another two-hit night for Edmond. That guy at the top of the lineup, if he can just bake in walks a little bit more into his game, he can be one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball when he's going offensively because he's got the contact tool down to a T, right? The guy puts the ball in play. The guy is one of the faster players on the Cardinals, so he's going to make things happen with his speed. The OPS, it's, it's going to be kind of like a Colton Wong situation where – 
He was one of the highest guys on the team last year in, in uh, on base percentage, but without a whole lot of slugging, without a you know, not a whole lot extra there last year, the OPS was a little bit depressed. Tommy's going to get his home runs, and you'd think with the extra base ability, he's he's going to have a high enough slugging percentage to kind of boost that OPS up. But it's a little bit different. It's kind of a inverse of Wong in that Wong wasn't doing it with slugging; he was drawing his walks and getting on base. Edmund's going to have the batting average. But the on-base is maybe not going to be, you know, Colton Wong area. You're going to make up for it in the OPS a little bit with some extra power, potentially, as Edmund goes along here. But 738 right now for the OPS. I think that it will climb as he continues to get into the groove of the season. Looking up and down the lineup a little bit more. Uh, Justin Williams, he he's probably going to end up losing his spot to Tyler O'Neill long-term if this trend continues. Uh, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts tonight was Williams, 177. Now his batting average, yeah, I get it. You like what he does when he puts the ball in play. But it's the same story with Matt Carpenter. You cannot have these guys continue to to bat at that, you know, consider it a, a daily member of the starting lineup when they're hitting 177 and they're striking out at the rate right now that Williams is. I like Williams. I think he can be a productive player. Uh, he's got to be able to do it more consistently, though, offensively. He's looked really good in the field, actually. That's an area that I uh, maybe was a little bit dis- not dismissive, but I just wasn't really thinking about it coming in as to whether he'd be a plus outfielder. But he's made some really good plays defensively. Uh, but, you know, Tyler O'Neill can can handle himself defensively as well, a gold glover in left field last season. And if O'Neill's the one producing offensively, 3-4-4 for four tonight and had the home run, uh, you know, I think it's kind of – Obvious the way it would be shaping up if O'Neill keeps riding hot. He'll be the left fielder for the most part. Get Bader back in center and Carlson in right. That could end up working out pretty well for the Cardinals. You got to see up and down the lineup the, the rest of the guys contributing offensively as well. Um, but, you know, we still may be a week or two away from seeing Bader back in action. Although he is apparently at, at pretty much full speed right now. So I can't imagine the Cardinals should want to wait too much longer. I don't think they're going to wait for May 6th. That would be the start of the uh, the, the AAA season. And so you'd have to send him to Memphis and then get him a couple of games and get him back. I think Bader will be back in the next week, the more I think about it. Because May 6th is about a week away now. And so that'll be – that's Thursday, right? So a week from Thursday, I think by then you'll see – if Bader's not already back in the lineup, it'll be significant progress toward that. And we'll kind of have a date in mind of when they expect that to be – the case and so that'll kind of change the look for the outfield a little bit uh want to give give some props to paul goldschmidt as well as we wrap up conversation on the offense tonight uh he did get the home run starting to come into his own a little bit hit the ball well last night with the double that scored two runs and then had the homer tonight so cardinals could really benefit from from that guy paul goldschmidt getting going to be sure uh but wrapping up a little bit on this episode of be shaped daily Oviedo, what do I expect from him going forward? You know, he gives up a couple of walks. He gives up three runs. Obviously, the home run we mentioned. But for the most part, I think, I mean, if you take away that Brad Miller homer, what's the conversation we're having about his outing, right? About five innings, one run, seven Ks. So that that displays the ability to, to put guys away. Kept the walks to a minimum with only two. You know, you'd like to see no walks. But for a young guy coming in, I think his stuff played pretty well, and I think, like I said yesterday in introducing the topic, I think the guy's got a future in this rotation for sure. Could be as early on a full-time basis as next year, 
given the uh, attrition you may experience in the rotation with guys leaving, retiring, whatever the case may be. So I liked what I saw from Oviedo. I think it's possible that he gets one more start given the, the way the schedule shakes out. Um, not sure exactly how the Cardinals will manage that. Obviously, if they were to send him down for an extra reliever or whatever for the time being, you'd have to have an injury or a reason to bring him back up. And I don't know if they really want to roll the dice with that because they know he's going to be the guy if you need him for another start. So I think he earned another start. I, I would like to see more of him. It's a shame that you know he doesn't fit into the plans when it's just a five-man rotation. But that's a that's good because we're talking about pitching depth and how important it is. Earlier in the season, we were thinking, shoot, Oviedo should be in the rotation right now. I think I wrote about it and had a podcast about it and said, look, this guy is going to be a better option than what you're getting from Daniel Ponce de Leon. And at the time, John Gant was a little bit shaky as well. But the reason that didn't happen is you had Kwon Yun Kim in the fold getting ready to come back from his kind of back injury stiffness that he was experiencing late in spring training that caused a delayed start to his season. So once Kwon Young Kim was back, that was a natural way to get him in the rotation to get uh, Ponce de Leon to the bullpen since he had been struggling, and that was kind of that. But the Cardinals had this plan in mind for Oviedo. I would say going all the way back into spring training, I feel like they've talked about having a conversation with him. Rightfully, he was upset, you know, not upset, but disappointed that he wasn't going to be part of the opening day roster, opening day rotation, you know, and I think he's kind of taken everything in stride in really an impressive way when you consider, you know, some guys, you might have the situation where they're not pitching on the main fields during spring training and they're, you know, I'm going down to the Jupiter, Florida, and I want to make an impression and I don't get to pitch in the games. You know, that might be a disappointment to some guys, but I think Oviedo understood what was, you know, the task that was before him and he really took advantage of that time. And so now you're seeing him as a guy with multiple weapons when he gets on the mound and that can be the difference when you're a, a, a starting pitcher in the big leagues. you got to have those pitches. And so he was able to really kind of fine-tune his his repertoire, and he's using it to full effect right now. I, I Not a super deep outing. I think that's the next step for him. Obviously, everybody, you know, you want to see guys be able to go six or more innings. But for what we saw from Oviedo tonight, able to get through five, able to keep it in check, only 86 pitches, not as many strikes as you'd like to see with just 49 but, you know, in, in other circumstances, maybe guy at 86 pitches, you certainly could consider bringing him out for the next inning. So I think a, a, a step in the right direction, another one for Oviedo after the, the relief appearance that he had long-term uh, four and two-thirds innings in the start against the, the Brewers that Ponce de Leon uh, did not fare very well in. And so I think this is another positive step for him. I'd like to see Oviedo get another opportunity uh, we'll see what the Cardinals end up doing with their rotation. I don't believe they've announced it as of at least this morning. Um, if they have since, I've missed it. But uh, Oviedo potentially in line for some more opportunities for the Cardinals moving forward. And I think that could that could be good because the more experienced the guy is, when somebody does go down with an injury, suddenly you feel a lot more comfortable with the, the, the person you're bringing in to take their place. Whereas last year it was like Oviedo and everybody else that you had coming out of the bullpen guys that, you know, the manager of the team had no idea who these people were. Like, you show up and you might as well be wearing a name tag because you might have had these guys in spring training, but they're not the guys you're focusing on in spring training. And, and some of them maybe weren't even. I, I guess I'd have to double-check on that. But that was the nature of last year. Right now, though, I feel like Oviedo much more prepared. Having had that experience in 2020, 
I think he's ready to be a significant contributor for the Cardinals moving forward. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of B-Shape Daily, this and every episode, to be honest with you. If you are a regular listener, appreciate that. If you're not and you'd like to be, I can help you out with that. The way you subscribe, here's one way. You go to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. You click the More Platforms tab, and there you'll find Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast. There's several options to listen to Be Shaped Daily. Subscribe on all of them, why don't you? That's what I say. That way you'll be notified like 10 different places every time I drop an episode. That's probably a little bit of overkill, but anywhere you're comfortable listening, I would love to have you uh, on board in that locale. And you can also, if you would like to get involved in the show, anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. Leave me a voicemail. Let me know what you think about the situation with Henesis Cabrera, what you think about the Cardinals, how they're shaping up offensively, how the rotation is faring right now, and whether the bullpen will be able to hold up. Whatever your opinions and thoughts are, would love to hear them. Anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. Looking forward to tomorrow's game to see how the Cardinals fare against Aaron Nola in the afternoon contest, game four of this four-game set. I will probably have a podcast later on in the day to recap that one. Until then, appreciate you once again, and we'll talk to you next time.